This programme is sponsored by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. Giant is stirring. The dream is being realised. Welcome to today's audio match programme. It's Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Arsenal. In this edition, we'll hear today's big match preview from Steve Bull, get the lowdown on Arsenal, and hear how Kiana Herver prepares for battle. We'll also hear from Ruben Neves on being a lifelong Porto fan, and learn about Wolves cult hero Cameron Buchanan. Welcome to the Matchday programme. It's Wolves versus Arsenal. First up in today's programme, we have a note from head coach Bruno Larger. Bruno writes... Good evening and welcome back to Molyneux for the second time in a week as we turn our attention back to the Premier League and today's visit of Arsenal. I want to offer a warm welcome to Mikel Arteta, his staff, players and the supporters who've made the journey up to Wolverhampton from London this evening. This should have been the second time we've faced Arsenal this season, but our previous game during the Christmas period was postponed, which means we will now face them twice in the next two weeks. That's an unusual situation to be in, but we will have to do everything we can to continue what we've been doing in the past few months. We will prepare the same way we always do, because we know how good a team Arsenal are, but we need to play our game and learn from what we did in the FA Cup on Saturday. Norwich respected us a lot and they scored one goal, but unfortunately we were not able to find the goals we needed to get the win. We were very disappointed not to win the game because I really wanted us to continue in the competition and reach the next round of the FA Cup. I was unhappy at half-time because we didn't play with the same dynamic that we usually do, but I believe a lot in my players and we came out stronger in the second half and had chances to score. Because of that, it'll give us a big confidence to continue what we've been doing in the Premier League. One game does not change what we've been doing this season, especially what we've been doing since the start of the year, and it was because of that good month of January and the very good performances on the pitch from my players that I received the Manager of the Month award. I was very grateful for everyone who voted, as the award is not only in recognition of my work, but the work of everyone at Compton Park who give their all every day to make our team and our players the best they can be. I'm very proud to manage this club. It's an honour for me to belong to the group of managers who've won the award. I know there's a joke about the Manager of the Month curse, but I don't believe in curses. What I believe in is the plan and being on top of things you can control. Planning well with the squad, understanding the way we play and working hard to create the best conditions that we can to play our game And although you might have planned everything in the same way you always do, doesn't mean results will be guaranteed to go your way. That was the case on Saturday, but it was still a special day because of Connor making his 300th appearance for Wolves. Connor is not only a very good captain and a big leader in the squad, but he's also a top man, and I have nothing but good things to say about him as a player and person. To play 300 times for the same club is something that should be applauded because it shows how well he's been doing for many years now. Every time, he's always there and ready to give his all because he's a very reliable and important player within this club. Before kick-off on Saturday, I said to the players that we needed to give a special game for him, and unfortunately we weren't able to do that, but we're back in front of our fans again this evening, and hopefully we'll take the best decisions, the best solutions, and play well against Arsenal. Enjoy the game, Bruno. And now to hear from Wolves captain Connor Cody. Connor writes... I'd like to use these notes this evening to thank everyone for what they did and the support they showed around my 300th game for Wolves at the weekend. Walking out of the tunnel, I didn't have a clue about the mosaic, nor did my family in the stands. I always look around when I walk out, and I saw it straight away. It made me a little bit emotional, thinking afterwards about the players who'd done it for Wolves and being part of it. It made me realise how big it was, and it was amazing, so I was grateful. 
I never believed I'd get to this point. I always wanted to because it's an incredible football club I've loved since day one, but to actually get to the point where you pull on the shirt 300 times is amazing. We've had mosaics before. I remember the Kemez one and their incredible situations, so to see one for myself was unbelievable. Then I listened to the Wolves radio show. And I'm not really an emotional fella, I get on with things well, but that's one of the few things in my life which has got me emotional. Every single player who spoke I'm really good friends with. Bonner, Lonners, Edo and Danny. They're some of my best mates, so to listen to those boys speak was really touching. I messaged them all and thanked them, but I'd like to do it again. I also did an interview with our media team about it, and it was probably the best I've ever done. They had the shirts I'd played in over the years that you forget about a little bit because it's gone so quickly. We went on for about two hours, going over the memories. It was incredible. We went through pictures and could have done so many more because we had that many highs, but we also did some low moments, and it was good to reflect on the amazing journey. Now we want to build on it and create more memories for the people of this club. We've got another of those big games tonight, and we all understand how important they are, especially with the atmosphere which gets generated at Molyneux. These are the nights you want to be involved in. We've seen how big they can be, and how much of a boost they can be for our season. January was a huge month for us, with the gaffer winning manager of the month, but I think it carried on from December. We always felt we were improving, and we've built momentum which we need to continue into February. It's a massive month, we've got some incredible games home and away, and we know we need to keep the good feelings going. It's enjoyable to be going into these games with something to play for. I speak a lot about us being fans before players, and we were in a huddle on the training pitch recently, and we looked over to the side and we had Bowley, Neto, Johnny, Yerson, Chani, all full sprinting, and it gave us goosebumps knowing we have these top players and characters returning. It's not just exciting for supporters, but also us as players, and they're going to improve us for the rest of the season. Enjoy the game, and let's create another special Molyneux atmosphere. Connor. There are a few spots of news from Molyneux this week, starting with head coach Bruno Lage's Manager of the Month award. Manager of the Month Bruno Lage has won the Premier League Manager of the Month award for January, following three top-flight wins from three to kickstart 2022. Wolves claimed nine points from a possible nine which were available, beating Brentford, Southampton and Manchester United as Lage guided the club to their first win away at Old Trafford since 1980. Larja collected the award in his own one-pack style as he insisted that all of his support staff at Compton Park received the award with him, before thanking the staff for their help over the season so far and dedicating the award to them. Thank you for this award, Larja said. I'm very proud to belong to this group of managers who have won this award, but the thing that is even more important than this award was the performance of the team during the month. The Portuguese was voted by supporters and a panel of football experts, ahead of Liverpool's Jurgen Klopp, Manchester City's Pep Guardiola and Norwich City's Dean Smith. The head coach added, Now I've not got to just be the manager of the month, but the right man and the right manager to my players, to my chairman and also for the fans. That's my goal, every day to be the best man and the right man in the right place, to take Wolves to better positions. Saïs does Morocco proud. Roman Saïs's hopes to lift the Africa Cup of Nations trophy came up short in the quarter-final stage, as Morocco fell to eventual runners-up Egypt. The Wolves defender has spent the last month away, captaining his country as they searched for glory in the biennial competition, but has now returned after an extra-time loss in the final eight. Leading his country out once again, Saïs looked to be on course to be one of the four remaining captains left in the competition, as Morocco took an early lead from the penalty spot. 
but back came Egypt, who progressed after an extra time victory. The Big 3-0-0 As Connor Cody led Wolves out of the Molyneux Tunnel on Saturday, he was greeted by a special tribute to mark his milestone in the Steve Bull Lower. Cody 300 was displayed by supporters to mark his 300th game for the club, with the skipper becoming the 36th player in the history of Wolves to hit that figure. In the lead-up to the game, supporter Paul King laid out markers, which a dedicated team of Wolves fans turned into the mosaic we saw come 3pm at the weekend. A special thanks goes to Bill Cronin, Laura Cronin, Tom Scrivens, Chris Steele, Mark Hickman, Stuart Foxall, Ellen Rudge, Paul Woolley, Warren Fisher, Adam Dyer, Laurie Dyer, Millie Grant King and Nick Benton, who laid out the cards ready for action, and it looked fantastic. Bully's Big Match Preview Legendary striker Steve Bull has been running the rule over Wolves' 2021-22 season, while giving his thoughts on the opposition who take to the Molyneux turf in this season's matchday programme. The club's record scorer with 306 goals in all competitions during a 13-year career in gold and black has reflected on Connor Cody reaching his 300th appearance for the club and dropping out of the FA Cup while looking ahead to this evening's visit of the Gunners. Cody 300 Steve writes, On Saturday we might have gone out of the FA Cup, but it was great to see our captain make his 300th appearance for the club. Connor is a fantastic bloke, he's a great player and outstanding leader on and off the pitch, and he's done absolutely brilliant for Wolves. So to reach 300 appearances is superb, because in these days you don't get players stopping at the same club for more than two or three seasons. I think he's happy as Larry here, he's enjoying it, the club loves having him and I can't see any reason why he'd want to go anywhere else, and can't add another 300 in the years to come. As we're a team who are in a very good position, we're on the verge of something special, and he will be a big part of it. Out of the Cup It's the old chestnut that when a manager is given the Manager of the Month award, things start to go wrong, Steve writes. We had a two-week break before Saturday's FA Cup game with Norwich, and I don't think we came back as sharp as we should have. It took us 45 minutes to get our stride back, and it was already too late by then. I said in the Norwich programme that we needed to come back from the break and get on the front foot straight away, but we didn't do that. We got penalised in the first half, fell behind, and they shut up shop in the second and although we could have got a draw out of it and taken the game to extra time, it probably wouldn't have been deserved. Bouncing back quickly. We've got to try to bounce back today against Arsenal, says Steve. We need to take a look at the second half from Saturday, because we played some really good football and took the game to them and we were unlucky not to get a goal. But we've got to start again as if we haven't had a break and try to pick up from where we were. The fact that we've got this game tonight straight after a loss is a blessing, really, as it means we can't dwell on Norwich. We've got to forget about that because it's gone and out the window, but we've got to look forward as we've got two tough games in the next four days. Arsenal and Tottenham are never easy teams to play against and we need to be at our best if we want to get a result against them. Taking on the Gunners Arsenal are always up there fighting for the European places, Steve writes, although they've gone through a bit of a sticky patch in the last few games, so I think they could be there for the taking. They've not played for 18 days, so I hope that they have the same lull we suffered from on Saturday and we can take advantage of it, but I wouldn't worry about any other team. It's about how we can set up and how sharp we can start from the front. Even if they'd only had five days off, I wouldn't worry about them, as we've got to start better than we did at the weekend and take the game to them. Repeating last season's success One of the few highlights from last season was completing the double over Arsenal, and that could still be in the players' mind and will give them confidence that they can do it again, says Steve. 
but it'll also be in the minds of the Arsenal players who were in the team then. When you lose a game, the next time you play that team, you're always thinking that you owe them one. So they'll be thinking that way, and we'll be thinking that we've done them twice, and we can do it again. January Transfer Window Assessment Steve writes, Last week we saw the transfer window shut, and I would have liked to have seen us bring one or two more players in, because I think fresh faces in the club always give everyone a lift, and lift the spirits up. But we've hardly touched the transfer window over the last couple of seasons, and we've still been successful, so somebody's doing something right without us getting more players in. January is always a difficult month to sign players, but now we've got to play the rest of the season with this squad of players and they're a talented bunch of lads, so I'm still optimistic that we can have success and try to strengthen again in the summer. First outing for Chiquinho One of the signings we did make in January was Chiquinho, and we saw him come off the bench against Norwich on Saturday, and I think he did quite well, says Steve. However, you can't tell much about a player from just a 15 or 20 minute cameo at the end of a game. You need them to start or get a few consistent games under their belt to know what they're really about. But I like the look of him. He put in a couple of really nice crosses that we should have attacked better than we did. He's got signs of being a very good player, but we've got to watch this space as it goes on because we could have a quality player on our hands. It's time now to take a look at the recent form of today's opposition, Arsenal, and get our scouts' report of their game against Burnley over a fortnight ago. Match day, Wolves versus Arsenal. For the first time this season, Wolves and Arsenal do battle at Molyneux, and the Gunners arrive without a match in more than two weeks, but it's Bruno Lage's men with home advantage this evening. The Old Gold Camp Our target is to play game by game. It's important because we know in this league every game is difficult, says Moutinho on a positive Wolves camp. We need to continue this consistency that we have in our game and in our performance, because only with this can we achieve something good. The Gunners' Camp We put balls in the box and that's meat and drink to Burnley, so it's a difficult one, says Ramsdale on the Burnley stalemate. It's definitely a missed opportunity for three points and to gain places back in the league, but I'll take the positive of a clean sheet with the defending of the whole team. Last time we did this. Wolves 2, Arsenal 1. 2nd of February 2021. Jao Moutinho's stunning strike earned Wolves a big win against Arsenal, who finished with nine men at Molyneux. Ruben Neves' penalty had earlier cancelled out Nicolas Pepe's opener. Away dressing room, the lowdown. Arsenal were founded in October 1886. David O'Leary has put in the most appearances for the club, with 722. Thierry Henry has scored the most goals, with 228. Their record signing is Nicolas Pepe for £72 million, and their record sale is Alex Oxlade Chamberlain for £40 million. Arsenal have finished first in the First Division or Premier League 13 times. Recharging the batteries Arsenal have gone 18 days without playing, a break which many with an Arsenal affiliation believed was necessary after a frustrating draw to Burnley. On the 23rd of January, the Gunners failed to win a home Premier League game against the side bottom of the table for the first time since October 2008, a 4-4 draw with rivals Tottenham Hotspur having won the previous nine. Manager Mikel Arteta described his team as leggy afterwards, so he'll hope a warm-weather trip to Dubai as a team will kick new life into their top-four charge. Quiet deadline day while Arsenal bid farewell to as many as six players in the January transfer window, they decided to go with what they've got and made no new additions. 
Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang made his move to Barcelona late in the window, following Sead Kolasinac, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Follerin Balogun, Callum Chambers and Pablo Mari out the exit door, with nobody coming the other way. Aubameyang's goals will be particularly missed. He scored 92 times in Arsenal Red, and in the month he left, the Gunners scored just once in five matches. Gunning for future success Arsenal have attracted plaudits for their youthful look this season, with Arteta showing that age is just a number. Wide men Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli, both 20, have become two of the first names on the Arsenal team sheet, with the pair directly involved in 16 Premier League goals this season. While despite not starting every week, 21-year-old Emile Smith-Rowe is the club's top scorer with eight goals. Martin Odegaard, who usually gets the nod behind the striker, is only 23 himself, while 24-year-old Ben White and 23-year-old Aaron Ramsdale have also been pillars of consistency at the back. The future looks a bright one at the Emirates. Scout Report. Arsenal nil, Burnley nil. 23rd of January 2022. Last time out, some 18 days ago, Arsenal were held to a goalless draw by Burnley when they couldn't turn their dominance into goals. Arsenal's 20 shots were the most the Clarets had faced without conceding this season, and it was the first time the Gunners had gone four consecutive matches in all competitions without scoring since 2004. Takahiro Tomiyasu's absence saw Ben White move to right-back, while Albert Sambi Lokonga held the fort in midfield, with Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka absent. Once against, Alexandre Lacazette led the line but couldn't find the crucial winner. Scoring the goals Playing just behind the front man, Emil Smith-Rowe has been Arsenal's main source of goals this season, chipping in with nine in total. In December, the youngster came off the bench to score in three consecutive Premier League matches and was denied impressively by Nick Pope last time out. Creating chances No player has created more Premier League assists for Arsenal this season than Bukayo Saka. The England international operates on the right to allow him to come inside on his left foot. As well as creating, the 20-year-old also scored Arsenal's last goal against Manchester City on New Year's Day. Overset pieces Arsenal have a number of players capable of producing from a dead ball, with Martin Odegaard almost setting up the winner against Burnley from a corner. Saka and Nicolas Pepe can also produce at set pieces, while Lacazette has scored two of the three penalties he's taken this season. Tough nut to crack Thomas Partey was at the Africa Cup of Nations last month, and his absence was felt at the Emirates. The Ghanaian missed just four matches during the first half of the campaign and provides a presence in the middle of the park, having completed 25 tackles, the most of any Gunners midfielder. Impact off the bench Against the Clarets, Eddie Nketiah was the one and only substitute used by Mikel Arteta. All four of his Premier League appearances have come off the bench, while he started five cup matches. All five of his goals this term came in the Carabao Cup. This programme is brought to you by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. For more information, please contact Dennis Green. You can find all the information you need at facebook.com forward slash Wolves DSA. The giant is stirring. The dream is being realised. Always aiming for the top. Jose Sarr. When Rui Patrizio swapped Wolverhampton for Rome during the summer, many believed it would be a difficult task for the Wolves recruitment team to replace Portugal's most capped goalkeeper of all time. But in came Jose Sarr. 
a 29-year-old without a senior international appearance to his name, was seen by those outside Molyneux as the club taking a step backwards on the man between the sticks, but even those who weren't ever doubting the obvious qualities of the Braga-born shot-stopper must have been surprised by how comfortably he's become one of the most vital cogs in the Wolves' machine. His arrival has already helped Bruno Lage's transformation of Wolves' style, thanks to his aggression at coming off his line, which has pushed the entire team further forward up the pitch, and supports the head coach's ideas of a high press. His performances on the pitch during the first half of the 21-22 season have earned Saar rave reviews. He is the only man in the Wolves' side to be named Castore Player of the Month twice, following particularly impressive showings in September and December, with Gary Neville even naming the Wolves' number one as his signing of the season. I saw it and it made me very happy, Saar said. We're playing in the greatest championship in the world, in my opinion, and it's good to see legends, he's one guy with a big name in the story of football, talk about us. So, of course, I'm very happy to see this. Having arrived at Molyneux with big boots to fill, Saar got his Wolves career off to a steady start, albeit not spectacular, as the side lost all three of their opening fixtures by a single goal. A few of the pre-season doubters were coming back out of the woodwork after minor errors in those early fixtures, but Saar remained focused on his role. With the help of goalkeeping coach Tony Roberts and the more than capable John Ruddy pushing him all the way, Saar shrugged off the comparisons with the previous incumbent of his position and got to work on showing the Wolves fans exactly what they could expect from him, both on and off the pitch. We all know the value of Rui and the affection that the fans have for him. He's a very good goalkeeper, and he did history here in the club, but I'm here to do my job, and that's what I'm focused on. Of course it was difficult to replace him, but here we have a very good group, and they helped me to adapt to the league and to the football. This helped me a lot, and gave me confidence to help them too. Tony's a very good guy, and we work very well because he has both sides. Outside of the pitch, he's a very good guy and a very good friend, and inside of the pitch, he's a good coach. I've learned a lot, but it's not just me. I talk for John Ruddy and Louis Molden, and Andy Sandergaard, because we've all learned a lot with him. I'm really happy to work with him, and I've improved a lot. I've tried to do different things, and I try to learn because I'm here to do this, to improve and to learn and to be better every day because I want to be better tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. If there's something Saar doesn't need to learn, it's character. When he's on the Molyneux pitch or behind the scenes at Compton Park training ground, Saar is one of the biggest personalities in the squad, and his confident and outgoing persona rubs off on everyone that he meets. The players and staff speak in glowing terms of their number one. Connor Cody has praised his impact, calling Saar an incredible character, and saying the impact he's brought to the club has been immense. That character has been at the forefront of his performances this season, and has helped Saar settle quickly into his new squad, which he describes as a family. A family which already consists of many Portuguese players, who've been a big support in making his adjustment to life in the West Midlands a seamless one. Of course it helps. They help me to integrate and understand how this works. I've come from Greece, and the fact of knowing almost all of them is very good. It helps with the adaptation process, to understand the way of playing and what the manager wants and asks for. When I arrived, Ruben and Zhao explained to me how everything works, and also about the fines, too. But it's not just them. We have an amazing group, and this reflects on the table and what we're doing, because we're very much like a family. If I miss, I have my friends behind me, and if they miss, I'm there for them. All of the players are like this. Domineering performances, clean sheets, and even an assist in Wolves' win away at Southampton, while his personality came to the fore in some of the -the behind-the-scenes content coming out of Compton, soon saw Saar become a much-revered stopper in the Premier League. Heading into February, Saar topped the charts for keeper sweeps, coming off his line to cut out a pass or close down an opposition player, chances created and goals prevented, while having the highest save percentage in the league. Wolves have a new hero wearing the number one shirt, 
and Molyneux Faithful sing his name with pride, but Sy is not content with what he's achieved so far. Having faced his current employers during the Europa League knockout stages two years ago, he's determined to push the old gold on to reach those heights once more. Bruno Lager on Saar I'm not surprised with what he's doing. He came with a big responsibility to replace a goalkeeper like Patrizio, but I trust him. I've known him since he didn't have a beard and was a babyface at 16 or 17, and now he's a big man and can be a top goalkeeper. What I want from Jose, from my other players and for the team, I don't want them to be the best for just one day. Jose's doing very well, but what I want from him is the same that I want from all the players and the team. Consistency. I don't want him to just be the best for one day, for one month or one year. The challenge for him here is to take one step at a time in his career, show consistency in his performance, and after that, good things will come. Facts and figures. Fact 1. Saar spent time as a young player with the Benfica Academy at the same time that his now Wolves boss Bruno Lager was part of the coaching staff. Fact 2. Saar has been a prolific performer on the international stage for Portugal at youth level, keeping clean sheets in all games but one in the 2015 Euro Under-21 Championships as his country finished second to Sweden, despite saving a penalty in the final. Fact 3. He was handed the number one shirt when he arrived at Molyneux in the summer, becoming the first Wolves keeper to wear the number since Carly Keme, who retired from football in 2018 following his diagnosis of leukaemia. Fact 4. Saar once represented his country in a friendly clash with Mexico ahead of the 2016 Olympic Games, alongside Wolves teammates Nelson Semedo and Ruben Neves, with the midfielder scoring in a 4-0 win. Fact 5. The keeper has been used to winning titles throughout his career, lifting the Premier Liga with Porto in 2018, as well as the Greek Super League in 2020 and 2021, while at Olympiakos. The Fan Inside, with Ruben Neves. Ruben Neves discusses the experiences of supporting his boyhood club Porto, as well as what he misses most, now he's playing on the pitch, rather than being a fan in the stands. A memorable game as a fan. The most memorable one for me was one where I was not in the stadium because I had a game myself the next day with Porto under-15s, so I was staying in the hotel as the game was in Lisbon. But I remember watching Kelvin score the winning goal against Benfica in the Dragao Stadium in the 92nd minute of the game. Porto was one or two points behind Benfica, who are our rivals, and Porto needed to win that game because there was one more game left in the season after that. It was 1-1, and in the 92nd minute, Kelvin scored the goal for Porto, so we won 2-1. Then we only needed to win the last game to be champions. It was unbelievable in the hotel because we were playing against Benfica the next day with the under-15s and we were watching the game in a meeting room and next to us was the lounge of the hotel which was full of Benfica fans. When they scored they shouted a lot and when Porto scored the atmosphere we created in the hotel was unbelievable. The last game I attended as a fan. I've been to watch Porto play in Liverpool about two years ago. We lost 2-0, but the atmosphere was amazing. It was a Wolves player, but I went to watch Porto play at Anfield, so, of course, I tried to hide myself as much as I could. I wore a scarf around my face and a hat, so no one saw me during the game, but I was in the stand with the away fans, and it was unbelievable. I went with my friend, and we were singing with the Porto fans, like a proper fan. As a fan, it was amazing, and I miss that a lot, because I always used to go to every single game of Porto, so it's something I really miss, being able to go and be around the Porto fans and singing with them. It was really good. I wanted to go when we played them this season and asked Jota for tickets, but it's difficult when you have three kids to get to Liverpool for a midweek game. My team when I grew up. 
I've been a Porto fan all my life, and that's because all my family were from Porto, and I started playing for the club when I was eight years old, so it was an easy choice. Porto are a fantastic team. They're the biggest team in Portugal, so it was really good supporting them. Then I had the chance to play there as well, and it was amazing for me and for my family. My first game as a fan. I remember going to a game in the old Porto Stadium. It was called Estadio das Antas. I went with my dad, and there were no seats on the stand that we were in, so I had to go on my dad's back to be able to watch the game. It was the first game of the season, and they had a presentation, so they do all this stuff like a party before the game. There was a dragon going around the pitch. It was really good. A worldwide game I'd like to go to. I would say a World Cup final. I've never been to one, and it would be a big occasion, or a Champions League final as well. A Wolves away day I'd like to be a fan at. I would have said Liverpool, but I've already been there with Porto, so I've done that one. It's really hard to pick, but maybe one of the derbies, Villa or West Brom, especially if we win in the last minute like we did this season. That would be perfect. Our regular Cult Heroes segment casts a light on former members of the pack who were admired by the club's supporters, often for reasons beyond their numbers on the pitch. Wolves Museum duo Packwork and Neil Pennington have joined forces for the season-long feature, sharing both facts and memories of some of the club's most popular, if sometimes overlooked, former stars. Today's cult hero is Cameron Buchanan. The Backstory with Neil Pennington A Scot, born just north of Motherwell, Cameron Buchanan became the youngest player to ever appear for Wolves, says Neil or any league club, when he debuted against West Bromwich Albion in 1942, aged just 14 years and 57 days. He played 18 wartime games in total, scoring six goals, including a hat-trick. He remained with the club after World War II in 1946, but never appeared in an official game. He moved to Bournemouth in 1949, and spent a short time playing in Montreal before finishing his career at Norwich City. Later in life, he suffered from dementia and died on the 10th of September 2008, aged 80. By contrast, the oldest player to turn out for Wolves is Archie Goodall, who pulled on the jersey aged 41 years and 116 days old. The Cult Hero Status with Pat Quirk I spoke to Cameron before he sadly passed, says Pat. The situation was, when the Second World War started, our players went off to join up. They didn't have much choice. The manager at the time, Frank Buckley, had a scouting network across Britain, and they, and they kept his eyes out. He came across Buchanan, who was in rural Scotland, and had a reputation for being a good footballer and a goalscorer. He went to see his father, and Wolves signed him on the understanding he'd live with a family who'd look after him. He came to Wolverhampton as a young lad, and when I spoke to him and asked why he came to Wolverhampton, he said it was because the colours were similar to the colours he wore at school. He stayed throughout the war and beyond, and he really got into the local society, and became a fire-watcher. During the war, he'd sit on top of a tall building and see if any bombs were dropped, and report them to the fire brigade. He remembered the markets, getting his fruit and veg, and remembered the time with great affection. Buckley got criticism for signing such a young player, but he said, If he's good enough, he's old enough. Buchanan went back to Scotland and had a bakery, and then laundry business, so was an entrepreneur, and a nice bloke to talk to. Wolves DSA Wolves want to educate supporters that all disabled supporters are unique individuals. Wolves have some people attending with conditions that aren't that well known, such as Simon, who has neurosarcoidosis, which is a form of sarcoidosis. It's a long-term or chronic disease of the central nervous system, which encompasses the brain, spinal cord and optic nerve, and is characterised by inflammation within one or more of those areas. Currently, there is no cure, but there are treatments that may reduce symptoms. 
Simon manages his condition, but as it progresses, will receive help and support from Wolves on managing symptoms while attending football games. Simon's profile. Favourite Wolves player, Raul Jimenez. Favourite away ground. I love the local derbies for the atmosphere, says Simon, and I also like the smaller grounds when we were in League One. Favourite Wolves moment. Nothing beats the playoff final at Cardiff for me, says Simon. Best day ever. What Wolves means to me. Wolves is one of the only things I do now, especially as my daughter's come with me since she was little, says Simon. She's now in her twenties. I've had to shield for over twelve months and it's such a buzz to get back to Molyneux, feeling that atmosphere you can only feel here. For more information regarding accessibility and how we can help you at the game, please get in contact with help at wolves.co.uk. Preparing to battle with Kiana Hover. Kiana Hover guides us through his typical pre-match routines, getting him ready for battle on the pitch by the time kickoff arrives. In the hotel pre-match. If we have a night game and need to wait all day at the hotel, I have breakfast, I chill a bit, watch TV and call my parents and girlfriend. Then we have lunch and I'll watch a film or Netflix and sometimes sleep. Then I'll shower to be awake and ready to go. Pre-match meal. Most of the time I have a panini with cheese and tomatoes, or I'll have some pancakes with strawberries. Often I'll have pasta as well to give me some energy. The coach journey in. Last season I sat a lot with Ryan and Morgan, but now I'm across from Raoul. We have a table in the middle of the bus and we're across from each other. Sometimes we chat, sometimes we're listening to music. When we play away, I like to look outside the window with music, looking at the city. Pre-match emotions. Of course it depends if you're starting. If I'm playing, I'm not nervous, but really focused. I'm thinking of good things in my mind. I'm calm. Once you come on the pitch with the big crowd, you get pumped up. Meeting the opposition. If we're playing against a Dutch guy, then I'll try to have a chat. I'm not sure there's anyone in the Premier League who I played with in my age group, but I definitely talk after the game, or if we're on the bench or warming up at the same time. In the dressing room. When I'm starting, most of the time I'm next to the goalkeeper, and if Ryan's playing, he's on the other side. It goes by numbers. It depends what the lowest number coming after two is. A lot of people go out to see the stadium, but I stay inside on my phone, and if we talk, we talk about the game. Pre-match music. Most of the time I listen to English artists. I listen to a lot of Lil Durk. I have a playlist with all kinds of songs there, some Dutch songs too. Rituals before the game. I don't have any superstitions. I don't have anything that I do every week before a game. The teams are in. You have a look when the starting eleven's out. You'll look who you're facing so you know what foot they use, things like that. Little details you can iron out before the game, and the coach can tell us what we might see in the game. You already know who will probably play and their strengths. In the tunnel. I'm thinking about the game. In the tunnel you have a good type of energy, not nerves, but you're ready to go. We walk out and throw our jackets off, have a little run and you're ready. I just think about what I want to accomplish in the game. My Perfect Wolves Player In this segment of the programme, we ask those connected with the old goal to create their ultimate Wolves player from various body parts. Stepping up this week is football writer, author and publisher David Instone. Football intelligence. Robbie Keane. Streetwise and impudent, the super-talent Wolves discovered and nurtured was a box of tricks who looked at home from the day he made his debut at 17, says David. He spotted openings that escaped others and blazed a glorious trail for some 20 years. 
Heading, Derek Dugan. Even before his brain power brought him high office at the PFA, the Doog was using his head to brilliant effect in Wolves' colours. If he wasn't providing the flick-ons for John Richards, he was going for goal himself, and often succeeding. Vision, Ruben Neves. A big shout-out here, and in the intelligence category, for Jao Moutinho, but his countryman edges the verdict because of the range of passing he possesses as a way of underpinning a radar that's to die for. Leadership, Mike Bailey. The present incumbent might become the best skipper of the lot, but by doing the job for so long in Division 1, Mike Bailey is selected for now. The man who lifted the League Cup 48 years ago was much less vocal than Cody, but nevertheless someone others followed. Character, Diogo Jota. Character comes in different forms, and I love the way the supremely gifted Jota picks himself up and goes back for more after any number of batterings. Thank goodness Wolves derived such value from him before the leer of the Champions League proved irresistible. Fitness, Dennis Irwin. Okay, he didn't bomb forwards like some, but look at his record. More than 900 appearances, and he could surely have played past his 40th birthday. The way he conducted himself helped keep him in condition, and made him a Mr. Dependable for club and country. Strength, Floyd Street. Here was a man who looked as much a heavyweight boxer as a footballer, with the fitting nickname of Bruno. Quiet and laid back off the pitch, he possessed calmness and some style on it, but he and Ali Robertson were useful too, as hired muscle. Goalkeeping, Paul Bradshaw. Widely recognised as the best in his position at Molyneux since Williams and Finlayson, and given a punt here despite impressive candidates in the Fosun era. Tall, sound and sometimes spectacular, Braddy was a safe pair of hands at the back for years. Speed, Adama Traore. Steve Froggart could fly when fully fit. Unfortunately, that wasn't often enough, and others were decidedly sharp across those green acres, but the Spanish international would burn them all off. No more words necessary. Just watch him. Left foot, Paul Cook. Hardly an original choice, but anyone who saw him pinging those long diagonal balls for Bull and Much would find it hard to argue. An excellent purchase at £250,000, he entertained and occasionally infuriated the Molyneux faithful. Couldn't he pick a pass on his day? Right foot, Steve Bull. Another bow to the Turner era. How could we not find a place for Wolves' all-time record marksman? The same foot that, we are told, sometimes struggled to bring a ball under control was employed to lash in, at a guess, some 250 league goals. To close out the programme, there's just enough time to hear the squads for today's game. Under Wolves head coach Bruno Larger is number one, Jose Sarr. Two, Kiana Herver. Three, Ryan Aitnuri. Five, Marcel. Seven, Pedro Neto. 8. Ruben Neves 9. Raul Jimenez 10. Daniel Podense 11. Francisco Trincao 14. Yerson Mosquera 15. Willy Bowley 16. Connor Cody 17. Fabio Silva 19. Johnny 20. Chiquinho 21. John Ruddy 22. Nelson Semedo 23. Maximilian Kilman 24. Toti. 26. He Chan Huang. 27. Roman Saiz. 28. Jao Moutinho. 32. Leander Dendonka. 39. Luke Kundal. Under Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta is number 1. Bernd Leno. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Benjamin White. 5. Thomas Partey. 
6. Gabriel 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Martin Odegaard 9. Alexander Lacazette 10. Emile Smith-Rowe 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Nuno Tavares 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Eddie Nketiah 32. Aaron Ramsdale 33. Arthur Okonkwo 34. Gradit Jacker 35. Gabriel Martinelli Your match officials for this fixture are referee Michael Oliver and assistant referees Simon Bennett and Darren Can. The fourth official is Michael Salisbury. On VAR is Lee Mason with additional VAR from Mark Scholes. We are next at Molyneux versus Leicester City on Sunday the 20th of February with a kick-off at 4.30pm. The giant is stirring.